Hey guys, this is Britt. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Put. I am so excited for today's word. It is hands down my favorite passage to speak from, and I just believe God is going to move in a big way in this episode. And so today, we are going to be talking about this idea of say what you need to say. And if I could, I would pop in the John Mayer song right there because, you know, there's so much truth uh to the cover that we put over things. And so I just believe that today is going to be a freeing message, an uplifting message, but also one that you can carry with you into this week. So thanks for joining us. Let's dive in. Welcome to Simply Put, a podcast that has been brought to life with you in mind. Whether you consider yourself an all-in Christian or have never been introduced to the freedom found in God, this podcast is for you. While the Bible might seem complicated, God's message is rather simple. Every week, you can expect Brit to take God's Word and break it down into something we can all better understand. Now here's your host, Brit. All right, here we go. So our scripture today is found in Habakkuk 1 verses 1 through 11. And anybody that knows me personally knows this is hands down my favorite book in the entire Bible. People always skip over it. It is four chapters and I am telling you it is packed with so much good stuff. And so we're going to be in Habakkuk, you can say Habakkuk, sometimes I call it Habs. I will probably refer to it as all three in this podcast because it's kind of a tongue twister. So just bear with me there. But to start off today, I want to ask you a question. And I want to ask you, uh, how many of you guys, just anybody listening, how many times do you sugarcoat your prayers? And there's no right or wrong answer, and I'm not judging you, but I want you to be honest with yourself of how many times do you pray, not based on what you're actually thinking, but based on what you think God wants you to think? And so we do this in a lot of ways. We do this obviously by sugarcoating where we just kind of graze over it of like, thank you, Lord, for all you've done. Meanwhile, inside, we are a total wreck. Or we do it by clausing our own prayers. And so we pray something big and then we pray something bold and then we're like, but, you know, if if you don't, it's okay and I'm really okay. And I do this all the time, um, specifically in this season. I'm just like, I'm praying for my husband right now uh, and so intently. And I find myself all the time being like, Lord, like I believe this, I'm praying for this. And then I catch myself and I'm like, but if that's not your will and you'd rather me be like a Paul and be single my whole life, that's okay too. And and I've noticed in that um, there's a lot of fear when we clause prayers. And so how many times do you clause your own prayers, not out of humility for God's will, but out of fear that you are wrong <laughs> and like God will be like, no, nope, that's not the plan. Uh, how many times do you avoid praying about it at all? You know, how many times do you sit down with God or maybe go into your devotional time, whatever that looks like for you. And you don't really even want to talk about it because you already know you're probably not doing what he's asked you to do. And so, you know, if you bring it up, you could feel convicted in some way, which is just a big word for saying like, you'll feel like, you know, it's not the right thing to do and you'll have to move forward with the right thing to do. Or then you always have like, 
the passive aggressive type. Uh, I don't know, maybe this is just me, but sometimes I'm like, yeah, God, it's fine. It's so passive aggressive to a God that already knows what we're thinking. And so we pray in a way that's sugarcoated and clawed and avoided and passive aggressive, simply forgetting the truth found in Matthew 6, 8, that God knows what we need way before we could ever even ask him. So which of those categories do you fall? It could be all four, but I just want you to be honest with yourself. And if you're like, I don't fall into any, I just give you full permission. You can turn this off, save it for a day that you do. But for the 99.999% of us that fall into one of these four categories, I just want to encourage you to identify it. Because as we look at the story today, we're going to look at the importance of authentic prayer. And just to give you an overview Habakkuk is a prophet of God, and so the conversation we're looking at today is a real conversation that happened between him and God. So pick up in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 1. This is Hab's first statement to God. This is how the book starts off, okay? How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you don't listen? Or I cry out to you, violence, but you don't save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous and the justice is perverted. And this is how Habs starts his conversation with God. Now, I don't know about you, but I read this and um, man, I see so much of what I sometimes wish I had the courage to say to God and Maybe even more so what I know I need to have the courage to say to God because he starts off with a simple statement, how long God must I call for help, but you don't listen. And I cry out to you violence, but you don't even save. And I want to pause right there because how many of us, especially in this season, you know, we're finding ourselves in the midst of this COVID-19 and I know so many of us are crying out to God for different things. Um, Maybe you are now isolated with uh, your spouse that you haven't been getting along with. And so you find yourself praying more because God's got to do something. Or maybe it's the opposite. And maybe you're alone in this season and you live alone in this season. And you find yourself crying out to God to lift this because depression and anxiety and loneliness, that's real. And how many of us, whether it's right now or in other seasons, we feel this way. Like, God, how long do I have to call for you? Are you even listening? Because I'm crying out to you and I'm crying out to you, but it just feels like you're not even doing anything. Habakkuk goes on. Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict bounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. And ultimately, what Habakkuk is saying right there is, why aren't you removing this from us? Obviously, you see everything that's happening. Obviously, you know what's going on. Obviously, you're watching this and clearly you just must not care because you are not moving. And every time I read this, I'm like, how many times do we believe that in our own lives? But we're not willing to say it. And so rather than saying, how long, God, must I call for help, but it just doesn't feel like you're listening, how many times do we sugarcoat that and maybe we just stop praying because it doesn't feel like God is listening? And so why would we keep praying for something if he's not going to do anything about it? 
And I'm not saying this is right. And I'm not even saying this is God's approach. I'm just wondering how many of us in our own prayer lives feel this way. How many of us are walking in this and living in this, but we're sugarcoating it with something maybe a little more pretty, maybe a little more of what we think is accepting to God. But here we see Habakkuk is one of God's prime guys. And if he can have this conversation with God, why can't we? And what I think is so interesting about Habakkuk's last line before God responds. uh, So anytime I'm reading scripture, anytime I see a therefore, I always pause and I'm like, therefore, what's it there for? And it says the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. And you guys, I've sat with this scripture so much. Um, And I think for the first time in the midst of COVID, maybe this is the first time I feel this. Because I feel like what Habakkuk is saying here is, God, everything you've told me to do is useless. Therefore, because all this stuff is happening, the law is paralyzed. Justice is not prevailing. The wicked are sown into righteous and everything is perverted. And again, what Habakkuk is saying here is really this never pays off. My life for you never pays off. And even if it does, things are so bad that Really, there's no upside to this. Why am I serving you if you're not going to listen, you're not going to move, and everything around me is failing? What's so interesting about this passage is Habs is looking at God's sovereignty through the lens of his suffering. And I can't say this enough. Uh, My mom repeats this a lot with just coworkers or anything work-related. She always says, what you permit, you promote. And I think that this also goes with what we speak to God, um, but also our heart posture on the circumstances that we're seeing, because right now in this um, in this passage, we're kind of stuck between this paradox where we should be honest with God. And yet, how much does our outlook on what God is doing impact what we see him doing? And so if you permit a pessimistic heart, you promote a pessimistic heart. And in the same time, if you promote Or if you permit an optimistic heart, you promote an optimistic heart. Like it depends on is the glass half full, is the glass half empty, or are you just glad that there's something in the glass? And I can't answer that for you, but really that's just a question. Um, In this season, as you're approaching God, as as you're praying or as you're walking through this, where is your heart posture on here? What lens are you looking out of? And what you're going to see next is so powerful because God is about to talk back to Habs. And obviously Habs just went in on him. He's like, you don't answer. You don't call. Like I call. You're not talking back. You're seeing all this. You're not doing anything. It doesn't matter if I serve you because none of this is going to pay off in the long run. That's ultimately what Habs is saying. And God is about to talk back. And what you're going to hear him say is nothing about what Habakkuk just said. Pick up in verse 5. It says, The Lord's answer, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if I told you. Now, I love this verse, but this is where context matters, guys, because for so long, (laughs) I'm even embarrassed to admit this, but I'll tell you guys, uh, like 
five uh, five years ago that's ambitious three years ago before I got under my mentor that taught me about context in my Instagram bio I put like live in that Habakkuk one five life okay so just to put myself out there and because I really love this verse it's so beautiful look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told wow what a powerful word we're going to come back to that but I'm going to tell you the next verse because it's important. I'm raising up the Babylonians that are ruthless, impetuous people who sweep across the way. What? Like God is saying to Habs, hey, God, hey, Habs, like, look, uh, I'm going to do something so great in your days that even if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. But uh, the way I'm going to go about this is I'm actually going to raise up the people that are oppressing you and the people that have kept you enslaved and really like done you a good one. I'm actually going to give them a little more power and it's going to be great. That's what God is responding. But we'll come back to that. So let's flip back up to verse five because there's something so powerful in this. It says, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. And so back on the context train, I want to talk about Psalm 4610 for a little bit. It's a verse that even if you're not familiar with the Bible, you've probably heard it. It's be still and know that I am God. And many of us, we take this and we apply it to our own lives. Okay. But if you look at this in context and you look at it, when it was written, why it was written, theologians believe that this verse actually wasn't written to Christ followers. It was written to the opposing enemy where it was God speaking and he was saying, be still talking to the enemy, and know I'm in control. And I wonder how many of us need to hear that. You know, look at the nations and just watch. That means you don't have to do anything. You don't have to fight this battle. All you have to do is sit still and trust that God is God. And I wonder how many of us in this season are telling ourselves to be still. When in reality, we need to be speaking, be still to the things that are coming against us. I believe that's a word for somebody today. I like really feel that in my, my bones, that we've been telling ourselves to be still. We've been coming hard on ourselves. Be still, be still in the midst of COVID-19. Be still, be still. And I just believe, friend, that the, this is this is a word. I believe this. Uh, there's somebody right now listening to this that you need to tell the things that are coming at you to be still. Like you need to tell the anxiety that's coming at you to be still. You need to tell the anger and the frustration to be still and know that God is God and God is in control because those things are wrecking havoc on your rhythms those things are wrecking havoc on your mind on your mental health and I truly truly believe this that that is a word that you need to tell those things to be still and know that God is God and rest in the fact that God is God because here's the truth you can look at the nations and watch not look at the nations and do not look at the nations and try not look at the nations and weep look at the nations and just watch And be utterly amazed. Now I got stuck on that word utterly because I feel like and be amazed really would do it justice. But why did God have to say utterly amazed? And I looked up the definition and it says without qualification. Which means you can watch at God's handiwork without qualifying to see it. This is so powerful. Like there's not something you can do that qualifies you to see God moving more or less it's just about are you willing to sit down and watch and I I just feel like this perspective just came into my mind so if you've ever watched maybe a movie 
and multitasked. Uh, it's really easy to miss the point of the movie. And the only way to actually understand the movie is if you sit down and you watch the movie. But if you're trying to do 5,000 things at one time while you watch the movie, it's really hard to understand what's going on in the movie. And can I submit for consideration that some of us in this season, God has said, look at the nations and watch. But we are doing 5,000 other things when God just said watch. And I don't know what that means. I'm not sure how that applies to our lives. But what I do know is I feel this in my own life. You know, where there are so many things that I'm just trying to keep up. I'm trying to keep afloat. And God's like, can you just stop and be utterly amazed without qualification, without doing anything, without being more or trying harder? Just stop and see what I am doing. He goes on to say, for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe it, even if I told you. And so many of us in this season, at least I know for our household, uh, we're wondering what God's doing, (laughs) you know, like this was never really the plan. (laughs) Um, I don't know. Maybe am I the only one that feels that way? But this was never the plan. Nobody planned to be quarantined for two months. Like this just wasn't in the cards. And here we are in this position. And, and I just wonder, like, could it be that God is doing something great in our days, not future generations, not 5,000 years from now, right now, God is doing something in our days that even if he told us, we wouldn't believe him. Like, even if God came and sat on our couch and said, You know, everything I'm doing right now is to reset the hearts of humanity. And 15,000 people are drawing near to me in this second because they're so lonely and they're so broken. Will we even believe him? Or will we sit on our couches and be like, that's a good idea, God, but I'm really not so sure. Because in that next part where he says, I'm raising up the Babylonians, the ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwelling places and not their own. You know what that sounds like to me? That sounds like God saying, hey guys, look at the nation. Watch and be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if I told you. I am going to isolate every household. The birds will have room to fly. People will be home with their families. Travel will cease. Churches will not meet. My presence will be back in the homes. And people's hearts, their pace, their gratitude, and their presence will be restored. If we heard that, we wouldn't believe God. Because why would God separate us to draw us closer together? That doesn't make sense. Maybe not to us, friend. But maybe to him. See, could it be that he sees things higher? Could it be that he's not looking at the struggle? He's looking at his sovereignty. He's not looking at just right now. He's looking upon generation upon generation, promise after promise. God goes on. He says they're feared and dreaded people. They are law to themselves and promote them with their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than the wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops in headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like a vulture, swooping to devour. They all come bent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. 
They deride kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities. They build earthen ramps and capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose own strength is their God. And you know what's so interesting about that response? So I don't know if you remember at the beginning, but Habs was telling God, why aren't you doing anything? You obviously can't see what's going on because you're not doing anything. Are you even listening to me? What's the point of me following you if you're not going to do anything? And you know what that statement tells me? It tells me that um, God knows their sources. God knows their speed and their security. He knows what they laugh at, what they lean on, who knows them and what they're depending on. And from Habakkuk's perspective, he wonders if God is distant and disengaged. And what we see from God's response is that if anything, he's observant and in tune. And I love how L.B. Komen uh, talks about this. He says, yet when God delays, he is not inactive. This is when he prepares his instruments and matures our strength. Then, at the appointed time, we will rise up and be equal to our task. Even Jesus of Nazareth had 30 years of privacy growing in wisdom before he began his work. God is never in a hurry. He spends years preparing those he plans to greatly use and never thinks of days as preparation, as being too long or too boring. But friend, this is the line that, I don't know, just really struck when it comes to this passage and this topic. That the most difficult ingredient of suffering is often time. It's not the loneliness. It's not the anxiety. It's not the anger. It's not the cancer. It's not the breakup. It's not the divorce. It's not the fight. It's not anything. The, the greatest, the most strenuous ingredient in suffering is in all of those things. It's time. It's that we can't fast forward and just be okay. We can't fast forward and just pretend that our sugar-coated prayers suffice. We can't fast forward over those things that really deep down hurt us. We just cannot fast forward them. We can try, but you're going to end up rewinding and having to go back. Trust me when I tell you that. And so I wonder, as we look at COVID-19, our prayer life, our quiet time, the things that we're doing in the places that our heart is, friend, I just wonder if that's not a word for both you and me, that it's time to start praying what we actually feel. And this is something I've been wrestling with uh, for weeks now, because this is hard. Like I don't want to, I, I don't want to sugarcoat it for you and tell you that this is easy. I think that prayer is one of the hardest things because it's difficult to say if it's selfish. It's just so hard to like combat those. And you know, this week I really came toe to toe with this idea because I'm, I'm be honest with you guys. I'm really struggling to figure out like what are selfish prayers and what are like God breathed prayers? Like what is the difference of, of one and the other, you know? And I had this idea this week. Again, we talked about it in the beginning. I'm like very in a season of just praying for um, my future marriage, my husband, like all of those things. I'm just, I'm at a place in my adulthood where I, I just really want God to breathe this. And so I'm praying for these things and I'm struggling and I'm like, God, are these selfish ambitions? And I just, I heard the Holy Spirit so clearly tell me, this is my heart too. 
And I really believe, again, that's a word for us because we're praying for things and we're like, God, is this is this selfish ambition? And I believe that his word for us would be no. I want those things too. See, if you're somebody that is right now praying for, I don't know, maybe a loved one to come to know Jesus, maybe someone in recovery, maybe someone that's not in recovery yet that you know needs to be, and you're just praying for their life. You're praying that, you know, God would restore them. And, and in that prayer, you think, but maybe God needs them at rock bottom because, and, and I get that. And I'm not saying that's a wrong place, but here's what I believe God would speak over that. He would say, the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come so they could have life and have it to the fullest. So friend, you can pray that confidently. You can prayer, pray that prayer for restoration and for new life in full confidence that that is also God's desire for your life. Or maybe, you know, in this, in this crazy time of COVID-19, you found yourself um, feeling that ask from God to start something new. Again, I don't know if that's a podcast. I don't know if that's just, you know, a neighborhood ministry where you're just reaching out to the name. I don't know what that is, but I know we can clause those too. And we say things like, well, am I just trying to be somebody? Am I trying to do something? We say all of those things. And I think that if we were honest, God would say this. We all have different gifts according to the grace given to us, which means you have a calling on your life according to the grace that was given to you. If a man's gift is prophecy, let him use it to prophesy. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, then do it cheerfully. See, you can pray those prayers and move accordingly, knowing that God is for you. And so you're wondering, well, should I teach? And I not? you know what? If you have the gift to teach, you should do that. And you're wondering, well, should I speak this word of encouragement? I haven't talked to this person in a long time. And I don't really know if God is giving you a word for somebody that is encouraging. You should go encourage that person. And I hope that this is making sense because this is such a new revelation for me. But, you know, it's our desires when they're in tune with God, are also God's desires. I mean, I know just so many women that listen to this podcast that are uh, just single. And I don't even want to call it a season, like a season of singleness. You're just straight up single. And I don't know if you're 40. I don't know if you're 60. I don't know if you're 12. But here's what I do know. is So we pray that God would get us into a relationship that's holy and godly and more like him and I don't know about you, but I'm like, is that selfish, God? Like, is that your plan? What if, and here's what I believe. God would just say, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteous be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? Seek out someone who is equally yoked. His desire has always been for mankind to be together in marriage, in friendship, in relationship, whatever area that is. And so you can translate that to your friendships. You know, God's heart for you that you would restore that friendship, that you would be kind to that neighbor, that you would love that person that hurt you, even when it's hard. I'm not saying you forget what happened. I'm just saying we step forward, praying the ugly prayers and choosing to receive God's forgiveness for our own hearts and then relinquish that to others. And I wonder in this season, how many of us are uh, sugarcoating our prayers how many of us are saying, God, your will be done? And God's saying, what do you want me to do? 
I believe in this message so much. Uh, it's something I'm personally just really wrestling with because I know the power and specificity, but I also know how scary specificity is. It opens us up to be let down. It opens us up to what if we're wrong? It opens us up to vulnerability and subjection and all of those things and all of those fears and all of those feelings are real. And all throughout the Bible, over and over again, in Numbers and Titus and Hebrews, it says, God is not a man that he should lie. So what you need to know is God's plan for your life is good. God's plan for your marriage is good. God's plan for your singleness is good. God's plan for your isolation is good. God's plan for your career is good. God's plan for the work you will do is good because he is good. He's not a God that lies. So friend, I want to encourage you to pray the ugly prayers and know that God will not respond on the level that you address him, but he will respond on divinity and sovereignty every single time because that's who he is. But he knows your thoughts before you think them. And so if you think you're pulling a fast one on him, we're not. (laughs) I should say, if we think we're pulling a fast one on him, we're not. Because he already knows. And so today, this week, as you go forward, that it's okay to pray the messy prayers. It's okay to pray the ugly prayers, the specific prayers, and all the prayers in between. He's listening. He loves you. He's for you. And nothing that you're facing goes unnoticed whatever you do don't steal tomorrow from God's hands give him time to speak to you and reveal his will he's never too late he's never too early every single time he's right on time thanks for hanging out today guys I uh you know I just want to encourage you as you go throughout this week. I know we're really in a tough time. So every morning, uh, there's just going to be a short, less than five minute pep talk for the day. And I just hope you'll tune in, check those out. Thank you guys for everything that you are and your hearts and your encouragement throughout this season, even in my heart as well, uh, or in my life, I guess I should say that instead. But look, I love you guys. Feel free. If you need anything, feel free to email me. Uh, My email is in the comments below. I love to hear from you guys. I love hearing your stories and Um, yeah, I'm happy to pray, happy to walk alongside of you guys. And so I love you so much. Have a great week and we'll see you back here soon. Bye.